This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. You ever use a microphone right after eating something very pungent? And then it sits there unrefrigerated for weeks, and then you have to record something again. Except this time, you have to be about an inch and a half away from the microphone, so you're stuck with the resulting odor of microscopic food particles, which have accumulated some of the most disgusting and biohazard-ridden bacteria known to man. Me neither. This is Funny People Talking. there, everybody, and welcome to Funny People Talking! <laughs> I'm Mark Rako, and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Danielle. Howdy, y'all. That was so bad. That was hey, a, everyone, how that, is everyone? That was just a test. I, I was so waiting for you to go, yep, Danielle Beckman. Like, I know, like I usually do. It's cool. I'm gonna. I'm here to say hi, though. Hello, Danielle Beckman and, and is Because we had the time change, it's just so strange that it's light Still? out, so I'm kind of, like... We usually Still record this adapted. in the dark. Yeah, I'm, I'm weird. excited. I know. I feel like I feel like I've got so much day left. Yeah, the day is young. It is young. Maybe by the end of this, everyone <laughs> will be asleep. So anyway, yeah. Uh, who knows? Welcome everybody, and also here with us is our producer and our sage and loyal friend, Elsie. Hi. What's up? You're purpley today. I'm always somewhat. She actually is always purpley. Yeah. You have an interesting shirt there. Is that like a skull made out of keyboards and boomboxes boom and, and guitars and basses? That's and pretty stuff. funky. And also, you don't know this, but I'm going to tell you. Okay. If I go out in the sun, it changes <gasps> colors. What part changes colors? The skull? Yeah. What, what, oh, man. The, so, the, the listeners are missing out. It it's a purple colors. shirt with a it's little heat white and black uh, design. And, and what does it turn into? It turns colors. So, But what wow. if I blow on it with hot air? Will it change? No. Dang it. <laughs> it must said be, it's heat activated. Maybe, maybe it's UV rays. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Also with us today, I'm very pleased to say. Wait, I'm not done. Oh, okay then. <laughs> I just wanted to tell you that when I got the shirt, I didn't know that that was going to happen. So when I went outside, I was really surprised. <laughs> you sound so like you were so surprised. Yeah. <laughs> That's like one of the biggest smiles I've ever seen on Elsie. I know. Uh, it's it's kind of like crazy. This, 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 you know what, eating grin. <laughs> I like heat activation surprises as well. Who doesn't? I know. Speak- and, but Mark, who else is with us today? Well, speaking of heat activation surprises. Whoa. Um, he's not. <laughs> he's not just. You're allowed to laugh. Okay. By, by the way. It's always that pretend podcasting. You have to pretend you're not in the room until you're introduced. I know. Well, isn't it? Doesn't this, I just does, appeared magically. You this did. Not, yes. He's a magician. <laughs> he is a magician. And we'll get to that in a second. But doesn't this sound like the the like normal mid, middle America morning drive time zoo program right now? Already. We're already like, there. <laughs> but no one wagga, drives wagga. here. I know. That's true. Uh, Harrison Greenbaum, he is a comedian. He is a magician. Yes. He is so many things. We're going to find out about all of them. And he's another man with a beard. Yes. So I grew in this beard. I, I shaved the beard off only one time since I've had a beard. And I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror. I was so used to the beard. So I think it's I think it's here to stay. <laughs> it also gives me something to stroke when I'm thinking. It makes me look very smart. Well, good to use your beard then. Anyway, Man, so God, I'm so jealous. Really? What you do I stroke when I'm thinking? Well <laughs> Wow. I went there. Wow. I mean, what do I I got nothing. I got this I got this round chin. It has you a little, great tiny glasses, little zit. Though. 
Oh yeah, these glasses are fake. I'm are a they? fraud. Are you? Those are you those aren't prescription glasses? at all. No, they're not prescription. Why would y'all. you do that? Is I that have really? 2020 vision. It's really like a. You can't even like say vision. No. It was that much of this a, is how cool I am today. I have fake glasses and I shorten words. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> was on short for something? No. <laughs> Moving onward, but I just said on. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Uh, anyway, welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, if you're still with us at this point, <laughs> uh, very, very happy to have you here with us. And thanks for joining us, Harrison. I it's can't my wait pleasure. To have a little fun playing some improv and get into your story and find Absolutely. out all about some of the cool things you've been doing. And I'll give a little hint. Bugs. Yeah, I did eat some bugs lately. Um, bugs. Coming out as a magician. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And um, And America's Got Talent. Yeah, I did do that. So those are those are just three little tidbits. I'm that give so us good at getting rejected on reality shows. <gasps> that is like my thing now. I, no, That's your niche. You 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 put me on a reality show. I'll get I'll get eventually eliminated. Were you on t- <laughs> Were you on on TV on America's Got Talent? Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, oh yeah. I, I was on AGT and then Last Comic Standing also. That's amazing. Oh my yeah. god, you need to do The Bachelor now or Bachelorette. Yeah, I've been watching he, it a lot. Oh no, now. no, but that, but that, well, but you, but you are a taken man. I have so, a long term. I have a girlfriend now. This yeah. is like a new thing. Yeah, for now. This is amazing. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I hope those videos pay off. No, sorry, that sounded weird. That's not what I meant. What I'm saying is, if maybe what if what if she goes on as the Bachelorette, you go on as one of the guys, and you rig the system, and you finally win a reality show. That would be good. <gasps> I would like that. Do we think that's ever happened? I don't, I don't know, but I seems like an awful lot of effort. I know, but a lot of fun and fame. <laughs> and the mansion's really cool, so I saw. And all the trips. I, know. I mean, come on, trips. I don't know. Anyway. It's weird. I, uh, anyway, by the way, <laughs> on a side note, um, I did not get on TV, but I did actually audition for America's Got Talent one time. What was the talent um, that you went in for? Comedian. Oh, there you go. That's um, but, the toughest. I think that's the toughest thing you can do on AGT and, is try to do comedy. I agree. And I will tell you, they were actually lovely. I didn't get in front of the judges, judges, or the in front of the audience. It was uh, first round, but I had been invited. So I didn't have to wait in the long line. That's nice. Oh, the hot tip for people who want to audition is it's a British-run company because it's Simon's Simon's company, which for short is Psycho. Okay. But it's Simon Company. Um you know you're doing well for AGT when you start to hear British accents around you. Okay. So when you get to producers with British accents, okay. that's how you know you're very close to the actual judges. Ding, that's amazing. So you're I, searching for accents. I went the in the room, and I remember them telling me- Did they have American or British accents? Probably American. Aha! And, no. uh, <laughs> but, but, but I had a real audition because, I mean, I didn't have to wait in line or anything like that. I was, you know, received invitation from them. That's awesome. Like, I didn't apply. Yeah, That's so like cool. somehow they had connected with me, invited me in. I went in, and it's funny thing is this: it's not like I was doing the rounds. It's not like I was a known stand-up comic or something like that. I don't quite know how it happened. They, but they have a network of scouts. They yeah. have like a so, whole system of like people who aren't even necessarily producers yeah. for the show who report to a lower level yeah. producers who report to higher level producers. And there's yeah. like there's a whole web of, so of scouting. Knows? So I, I went in and it was, uh, by the way, this show is not going to be about my stupid little America's Got Talent non-story. We'll talk more about yours. But since I brought it up, uh, <laughs> go in the room. I tell my stupid joke that I look back upon. I'm like, why did I tell that? But um, And they were lovely about it. They laughed and they um, they said, thank you so much. I think we actually have um, 
already seen a lot of comic talent today, and um, we only have room for so many. Um, but thank you so much. Um, and I knew that it, I didn't blow them away. Right. But I don't think I embarrassed myself. I just. And that's all you can hope for in an audition anyway. But it was hopeful. Well, for AGT, so... you either have to do really well, or if you had done very poorly, then they also might have wanted to send you through. I know. That's so sad. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I understand oh, yeah. the entertainment part of that. But I also feel like oh, yeah. you're taking spots away from legitimately talented people that could have an opportunity. And since they only have so much time to see people. The name know. of the game, though, is entertainment. I know. I did follow a T-Rex stripper on my first audition. Like, it was a lady well, in a T-Rex suit wearing Pacey's doing a stripper that? pole. Like, doing a pole dancing Did she thing. get called No, that? she got X'd real fast. Oh, man. But she, but she really had been goosed up. She, I think she really thought she was going to go all the way. Well, look, as soon as she walked out, I was like, this is an act designed to be oh, eliminated. Man. Look, it, it, look at something like America's Got Talent. You get in that room with the judges... They're not telling you your joke. You think you got it. And whatever self-confidence you have walking in the with the business of auditioning in the first place, whatever has made you think you have some talent, whatever people have encouraged you in spite of not having talent, you get in that room, you're already like, this is legit. Right. You don't think it's a joke until they Simon rolls his eyes or right. whatever they got on there now. So right. It seems like they legitimately don't know what the judges are going to say, which I always found is a fascinating dynamic, is that the producers are sort of kept separate from the judges yeah. mm. so that they can produce you as much as they want and be like, we think the judges are going to like it. But I, I, I am convinced that there are sometimes the judges throw total audibles where they love something that oh, the yeah. producers thought they would hate or hate something they thought they would love. Ooh. So you really walk in, I think, with a complete sort of the judges can do whatever they want, which is really kind of exciting. That is that is fun. Is anyone watching American Idol this year, by the way, at all? No. I've, oh, I haven't. I've caught, <laughs> no, I've caught I'm still stung over the fact that Clay Aiken lost to Ruben Studdard. I'm I mean, still very upset about I'm this. I actually I might be all the way back there with you in that. Like, I, I feel like I've age regressed back to Clay Aiken, and so I haven't been able to move forward in American Idol. And then they just did a show on Broadway together. It was Ruben and Clay did I a know. holiday show, and nobody went. I, uh, I saw that. You saw it. <laughs> was did. it just Elsie you? Went. She legit saw one it. audience member. Wow! I, I, you doubled the attendance that day. Yeah, my friend had free tickets. So I oh, free and tickets! And was it worth the value? Was it? Was we? I honestly at free. Was it still worth it? It was harmless. Is yeah. Well, I saw Clay. That's the review I always want when I launch a Broadway show. It's harmless. <laughs> it was harmless. I saw Clay. In, harmless I saw, variety. <laughs> I saw him in Spam a lot. Ah, he's a very um, Back man. in like 2009 or something, he was excellent. My favorite part of Clay Aiken is listening to uh, Kathy Griffin talk about him. <laughs> but also, wasn't his big song about like being invisible and being creepy and nobody nobody was concerned oh in the God. moment that his song was like, like nowadays, I don't think that song could even stand. It's like the ultimate Me Too, right? Like he's creepily <laughs> staring at women while he's invisible. Isn't that the song? If I was invisible, I would like watch you when you sleep or something. If you're, am I gay, getting that right? If you're gay, does it uncreepify that song? No. It... If you're misusing your invisibility powers, it doesn't matter your orientation. The lyrics all oh oh oh. What's she doing tonight? I wish I could be a fly on your wall. Are you really alone? Who's stealing dreams? Why can't I breathe you into my life? That's a what stalker. What would it take to make you see that I'm alive? If I was invisible and I could just watch you in your room. Okay, yeah. Back. That's a horrible. Licensing. Licensing. That's it. I did it under <laughs> okay. 30 seconds. But that's a, that's a horrible 
line of thought. I know, but like, you know, Despacito has terrible lyrics too. So here we are. But it's in Spanish, so we don't know what they mean. Oh, but they do oh in other gosh. countries. Uh, should way, we I'm start listen- the show? I know, but I'm listening to the, the, the <laughs> lyrics of that. And I feel like we started. Uh, the, the lyrics to that, I don't, I'm just having them out of context like that, I'm like, wow, that's so brilliant. I can see why that would be a hit. Those are terrible lyrics. Yeah, they're yeah. terrible. It's Britney okay. Spears had a song named Hit Me Baby One More Time and no, and I'm a Slave for You and nobody had any problems. It's true. Oh, 90s wow. 90s was a wild time, man. Oh, and, and yeah, throwing your heart into the ocean moment. Oh, that was Oops, I Did It Again. Yeah. But then you get like a Cindy Lauper <laughs> song like She Bop and that doesn't seem like a significant lyric, but it's actually quite a decent song or at least in the day it was. Well, uh... Not there should be song. more she bop. It should be. Okay. Uh, before we started, I do actually have a question for you, Dan. Oh, yeah. Hi. Hi. <laughs> What's up? Well, I'm, I'm wondering about the ants. Why did you have to point out the ants in the room? Well, it's... okay. It's like it, an elephant. Get it? Okay. Well, no. My question is, it was like six women behind you that uh-huh. all have scarves <laughs> yeah. and horn rim glasses and beehive hairdos. <laughs> Uh huh. And what I don't understand is, and they have they have uh, name tags on. Yeah. They say Aunt Ginny, right. Aunt Polly, right. Aunt Susan, and yes. I can't see that one. Karen, and Karen, um, and so forth. And I, why are the all are these all your personal aunts? Yes. How many aunts do you have? Well, they are. So I, my parents are divorced, right? So I, that means that I've gained aunts from you know different. Okay. It's we're sprawled. But here's the thing. You always say you want a peanut gallery in here, so I brought all my aunts with me, and they can be the little laugh track. Oh, that's cool. It's weird. They haven't laughed once. Yeah, well, maybe, you know, you're scaring them, Mark, it by calling be. them out. Hi, Aunt Polly. Um, she likes to be um, referred to as aunt, not aunt. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Aunt Polly. That's why she's a little quiet right okay. now. Okay. Man, I thought you meant crawling ants, and I was like, where are they? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I might have, I might have not, but uh, you know, there's always I hope room they for laugh. Pivot. I hope they laugh at some point. I hope so too. Uh, anywho, uh, I would like to start the show, but do you have a nerd tip for us today? I indeed do, and I'm gonna save it for when we start the show. Fantastic. Well, in case you're still with us, get ready, everybody. Buckle up and put your hat on because we're going to start the show. Uh, only if Daniel tells me, though. Mark. Yeah. For the love of everything that's yes. good, start the show. Okay. From the Mouth Media Network Studios in New York City, and from the same people who brought you Monkey Radio with Mark, this is Funny People Talking with Mark Rako, Danielle Beckman, and Elsie. Okay, everybody, we're here with Harrison Greenbaum, and is it Greenbaum? Baum? Jew, uh, they're all acceptable. <laughs> the emoji of the Star of David, um, the bag of money emoji, um, but Greenbaum, Greenbaum, Greenbaum works. Okay. Yeah, it was. It's a German name. I was Gruenbaum. Ah, so it's Green Greenbaum. Yeah, well, that is definitely what the Nazis Green said. Tree, right? uh, no, they, my grandparents uh, are Holocaust survivors who came over, so they the Green the Gruenbaum became Greenbaum. Ah. Which, in terms of changes. All they did was translate one half of the name, so not too oh, bad. Wow. Yeah. Did, did your family have a um, 
I'm being serious for a second. Did your family have a, a direct Holocaust experience? No, the two, I mean, two grandparents were they in survived. the camps uh, wow. and survivors. Yeah. My grandmother just passed at age 100. Wow. Well, oh, my sorry. gosh. That's yeah. extraordinary. What a what a fight back there to live to 100 after oh, that. Oh, amazing. Know? She was incredible. Um, she complained did, the whole time. You... <laughs> oh, bless her. What wow. was her name? What was did... her name? Her name was Laura. Oh, yes. Yeah. Or Laura. Laura, right? And I think she was Laura. I, I really it was weird. Like Laura? we just found, so she passed away. So we've been going through all of her effects. Wow. And we just found the cards that when my grandfather was liberated from Auschwitz, all the soldiers had you fill out paperwork. And so my my grandmother and my grandfather have been holding on to this paperwork the whole time. Wow. So we Whoa. just found it, and it was like pretty crazy. We're going to donate it to a museum if anyone 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 will take it. But it's really fascinating. Wow. Wow, did, Harrison. Did you have an opportunity to talk with your grandmother about that? Would she oh, talk she about Oh, she would not ta- stop talking about oh, really? it. No, okay. um, <laughs> no, my grandfather was in Auschwitz for, for many years. Uh, he was there as soon as he was there when it, before it was even converted into a death camp. So he and he lost everybody. Um, we just we just discovered a few years ago uh, when my parents and my sister went to Israel. They because you can look up all the Germans for, for all their negatives, the one positive. They kept great records. Exactly. Very meticulous. Very true, meticulous. True. So you can go to these Holocaust museums like Yad Vashem in Jerusalem and be like, this is my grandfather. And can you tell me all the records that you have of him that the Germans kept? Because they're all database. They're all linked and whatever. Wow. So they pulled up records and we didn't know that he had gone to the camp with a wife and a son. Wow. And so really, my grandmother was his second wife. We didn't. And we had no idea what? until a few years ago. Good Lord. Yeah. So we discovered all that kind of stuff. But uh, my grandmother, on the other hand, so he, but he was very tight-lipped about it. Like, we didn't even know that until we did, you know, the digging. After he had passed? And he had already passed. And okay. then we asked my grandmother. She's like, oh, yeah, I knew. And you're like, you didn't tell us. <laughs> uh, wow. But she would tell us all about her story. Her story is like saved. Steven Spielberg did a whole project where he recorded <clears throat> as many Holocaust survivors as possible so, mm-hmm. that, it's, so that it's archived. Because there will be a point where there are no direct links to the Holocaust right, eventually. Right, right. They'll, they'll, you know, that whole generation sure. will pass. Uh, my grandmother was one of the very last who was sort of an adult in the Holocaust and lived to tell that story as opposed to, you know, being a wow. child. She was a full, she was in her 20s when it happened. Wow. So her story is archived and I've heard all of the details and there and it's uh, it's it's ama- it's incredible. It's incredible. Did they suffer significant health issues through their life because of what happened to them? My grandmother, the teeth, teeth was an issue because they didn't let you brush your teeth or anything. So I think most of the people who survived always had like basically lost their teeth or had mm-hmm. to deal with teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, I don't know if there were any long-term stuff. She she lived till 100, which is pretty amazing. That is wow. so yeah. awesome. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. Wow. Well, at least we have the record-keeping skills to, you know, that came out of that. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Jeez oh, Louise. Like, to, I mean, to think about that, like, at least they have good record. I mean, they were. Yeah. But they even were, technologically, like, she remember, no. she would go to Prague to learn, to go to good fashion Lord. school and send money back to get, like, electricity in her parents' house and then wow. radio. So, like, when I would come over and be like, this is my new iPad, it was like, it blew her away. Wow. Be like, you know, she went from no electricity to, like, an Amazon Echo. Like, that, yeah. Yeah. You know, like, this, it's crazy. Wow. And and where did she um, reside? Like she was in Long Island, right Long near my Island. parents. Love it. We moved her from oh, Brooklyn really? to there, and it's yeah, Incredible. fifteen minutes away from my parents. It's really an interesting thing to talk to someone who's almost a hundred years old or a hundred years old. Oh yeah. The difference um, on the previous version of this show called Monkey Radio, I interviewed my grandfather who was ninety nine at the time, and put a few of those conversations on the show. We yeah. called it the segment. Um, Advice from a man nearly 100 years old. And my premise... I was my grandmother. The segment would be called, What? <laughs> <laughs> Can't hear you. Speak up. 
<laughs> Did she have a, a heavy accent? Uh, it wasn't a heavy accent, but her W's were V's, which was always very endearing. You know, it was the Windows. You always wanted the Windows. And uh, I recently I was hanging out at my apartment and I told my girlfriend to close the lights or to open the lights. Uh, and she was like, what? Because that's my how my grandmother used to say, instead of saying turn off the lights, sure. she would open the lights and yeah. close the lights. Yeah. So I, I just did it instinctually. So that yeah. was like a moment that took me back. And I was like, oh, that's Aww. I got that from my grandmother. That's really, hey, I, keep yeah. it. I like that. I like it too. Yeah. Open the lights. Yeah. Have you ever incorporated your grandmother or this stuff into your stand-up material? Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, although mentioning the Holocaust is a real downer um, yeah. in a set. But I, I have little jokes. There's one joke where I kind of combined both of my grandmothers into one like uber grandmother. Amazing. And, I used to, and it, it it's based on the other grandmother. Her, but it like, well, the 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 joke that's about this hundred year old grandmother is my Price is Right joke, because um, I do the joke I can never be on the Price is Right because I'm Jewish I'd be too frustrated. Mm-hmm. Like in my mind, the host would be like, "How much is that chair?" I'm like I don't know, forty dollars. Like actually, retail value eighty dollars. Yeah. I'm like, "Screw you, I have a coupon." Yeah, and that joke came from talking <laughs> about my grandmother because we were like, she could never be on the show because she would have coupons for everything. Yeah, can you can you are you able to say like, look, it's okay, I can talk about the Holocaust. My grandmother was in it. Is that you know like it's like it's like uh do you pull that card talk, you know like uh, once in a while if I find out an audience member is German, I'll make a joke about it. I'd be like our grandparents probably knew each other, oh, probably not friends, but they knew each other. I bet oh, that's a groan boy. I bet that's it depends a groan. and then then you get to say that line of like, no, I get to make that joke right, 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 right. I bet that's a groaner though it can be you know groaners they they have to happen though sometimes truth and comedy, am I right? yeah, well, there was one time where <laughs> the two two German girls in the front row were literally like. Because I was like, oh, my grandfather lived in Germany for a while. And she was like, why did he, why did he leave? And I was like, you should be talking to your grandparents about that. Oh, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. That is good. Well, my last name is German. Double N. Beckman. Beckman. Yeah. Hey. My, my name is not German at all. Okay. But I'm actually half German. Okay. Congrats. Like, like biologically or whatever, you know, DNA-wise. DNA-wise. Yeah. And 32 in me. German. No, 23 yeah. in me. <laughs> I do. Um, yeah, uh, 23 und mich, which is 23 and me in German. Oh, que ah. bueno. No hablo her, her, her alemán. That uh, uh, alemán is how yeah. you say it. Well, is in Germany, right? they're not even called Germany. They're called Deutschland, yeah. which is Deutschland. sounds like a terrible theme park. What I want to know is where did Germany come from? Did someone hear Deutschland and say... What was that, sir? German? German? Well, German. Maybe that's why they're so mad. That's why they fought us in two different wars. And they're like, stop calling us Deutschland. <laughs> <laughs> Deutschland! Yeah. I don't know. Um, did you hear about the plane that landed in Germany instead of Scotland? No. Yes. So <laughs> I did. We have a, a yes ju- and we have a no. A jumbo jet landed recently in Germany instead of Scotland because the wrong flight plan it was a flight filed. from London to Germany, and then the flight landed, and everybody's like, cool, we're in Germany. And then they're like, welcome to Scotland. And they're like, I'm sorry, what? Oh, that's what it was. They landed in Scotland instead? Yeah, it's okay. supposed to be London to Germany, and they landed in Scotland, which yeah, is not are, close. And people are like, well, I see hills, but it must be a new route or something. And Why does everybody have red hair? Exactly. <laughs> oh, no. Did, oh, it's what Deutschland. Okay, that? they can't be Germany. Did they get a refund? I don't know what the. <laughs> I don't know. What well, they couldn't was. have walked it. They they like, have to. I know. It's like so. You can just take a train. It'll be faster. I was on a flight recently where the pilot did say the wrong city. Really? Yeah, and then came on right after and was like, "So sorry, that is not San Francisco. <laughs> it's Los Angeles." Because everyone on the plane was like, "What?" 
I really yeah. want every flight. Every flight should start with the flight attendant going, raise your hand if you've never seen an in-flight safety video. And if nobody raises their hand, we should skip it. I know. It's too like bad. a YouTube ad. Like there should be a skip feature. Like there count down from three skip. and then skip. I you know. know that's actually an FAA regulation. That's why they do it. They're required to do it. Of course, of they course. are. Yeah. yeah. So, but but they've gotten around the whole demonstration by using the videos and making them funny and making fun of it in the video. So you're technically and making the, the musical. Yes. Oh my God, that's so funny. Tonight we're gonna fly. I know the song Todrick Hall is. That's such in a good it. one. What's my favorite? What, what airline is that from? Delta. Virgin. It was, I think it was Virgin. <laughs> Oh crap! Delta Virgin, Delta Virgin. Was... Yeah, that was one of my bummers about Virgin being sucked up by Alaska. Is that that video? I think doth cease to be. Oh man! Okay. By the way, that's an interesting sentence. <laughs> that Virgin was sucked up by Alaska. So I don't know why that's yeah. just strange. Uh, okay. Okay. Hey. Speaking of weird things. Yeah. Sure. Let's talk about weird things. I had the strangest experience on the subway yesterday, which is always fun opportunity for things to talk about. So I'm sitting, minding my own business, and all of a sudden, these three um, – what is I'm, – I'm serious. I can't think of the word for it. What I, is it when, when a, a man – They're tra- transgendered. Trans, transgender, you yeah, think? Yeah. Okay. These, these so people, these were, from what I gleaned from – I showed Danielle a I video. I saw a quick clip of the video, <laughs> and um, they were men who have transitioned to women. So so these three women. They had the most amount of attitude I've ever seen. So if you think about like a movie about like a drag club and you see men. Were, were they in drag or were they trans? They're, They're trans. Was, oh, okay. Trans. They're trans. Okay. Okay. Was, and they were all um, obese and they were all as sassy as sassy can get. And there was like this bullying going on. So there were two of them sitting in one seat. Because another... sassy sounds like drag queen, which is a totally separate thing. Right. Well, and that's I... like being a sassy they were just, drag queen. They, they were just loud. I'm, I'm, oh, okay. So the reason that I know that they were transgender is because at some point in the conversation where two of them were bullying the other and they were calling each other all sorts of names, all of a sudden one of each of the set pulled out their breasts on the subway. On the train, as you would. And so my yeah. question is, I'm really interested. I used to have a joke way back about the, the difference between men and women. And I had to cut it because it's such a hacky premise. But the idea of like, if a guy takes his penis out on the subway, that's a problem. But if a guy, if a woman whips her boobs out, you're like, I'm what train and can I take it all the time? <laughs> well, plus you could be breastfeeding. Is breastfeeding allowed on subways? I think so. I think so. So, yeah. so my question is, in New York. Especially if you're hot. Doesn't New York? How terrible! (laughs) Doesn't New York technically have a women can go topless? No, no. Um, there's there's legislation. No, there's legislation against the nipple. Against the nipple. Yes, that's why in uh, burlesque shows, I um, this wonderful woman named Bonnie Dunn, who actually she has passed away, but. R.I.P. Bonnie. Mm. Um, she had this cabaret called Lay Scandal, which I'm assuming you may know or you may have done stand up there. It was at the Lori Beachman Theater. Uh, yeah, I think I have. I have. feel like you have or you yeah. might know because it's it was a magic. Well, I think there's a difference between being topless in public versus well, charging money because then it's like a strip. Well, no, but even they that. have to wear pasties is what I'm saying. I and think that so... was because they charge money for their tickets. So it's a difference um... between being a strip club. You need different licenses. If you're a strip club and you want to show any part of anatomy, that's a whole separate 
thing from a bar license. Okay, but if you're so just what like about a Times subway Square, license? <laughs> but if you're in Times no, Square, you can. Well, no, because there was a whole movement, the free of the nipple thing about yes. being able yeah. to be topless in public. Because if men can be topless, why shouldn't women be? And right. there was this one woman who I thought was genius. So as soon as that law was like the day that the law was like, you can have your boobs out. Yeah. She like basically purposely went to Times Square to get arrested, knowing that she could then go back and sue the police department and be like, I should not have been arrested. I was doing it. I was acting completely within the. So she made a fortune off of that. Oh, man. Yeah. Get it, girl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so my question. Oh. Well, first of all, this was a crazy, crazy experience. Um, and you have video of this. I have video of this. Yeah. And and the, so he has actual video of the talk. Oh, oh shit. no! I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I just want my tranquilizer. Uh, oh, I'd rather. How late at night is this? Is this like a drunken thing, or no, is this is like this three like p.m. in the afternoon, or nine o'clock in the, in the evening? <laughs> they were. I think they were drunk. But the the main the main thing that I thought was so interesting is what point in your transition do you have to be in order for it to not be illegal to expose yourself? Where well, apparently you it's not illegal at all. Well, if you take your boobs out, I think it's legal regardless. Apparently, it's not illegal anymore to take your boobs out. Well, look, yeah. Um, there's all those people in Times Square with the body paint; they're topless. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, but. Like hundred percent topless. Yeah, but with the body paint on, I believe that's technically covering. No, paint. Yeah, I think Jen. I don't think you could show your genitals regardless. I think there's no exceptions to that. Probably right. So no below the belt. Um. Okay. Well, what? Uh, so this was my... just crazy. This was insane. This was the one of the weirdest thing. And and the two people. One sat next to me and one across from me kept asking me if I would airdrop them the video because they needed to show other people. That's I love. Oh, that. so they I found out that you took ladies. a video. Yeah, I was very covert about it, but they they knew not covert enough if they're asking no, 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 no. to um, I, I don't know. <laughs> like the the people I were videotaping didn't notice. I would really only I wasn't planning on sharing it anywhere. I just wanted to show my fiance and tell you guys about it, but. I didn't want to give them I like I didn't want them to be connected to my phone or but they kept asking me and asking me and I was like I'm sorry I don't feel comfortable. Then this guy told me about this Instagram site called Subway Creatures. Have you heard about this? Oh dear no. No. I don't I don't I'm even want to explore. Oh, see, but I'm you obsessed. like these subway stories. I don't. This I'm is scared. videos and pictures of weird stuff happening on subways and in subway stations. And I'm hooked now. No more watching car crash videos for me. It's all about the subway videos. When I started comedy, <laughs> I would be running from set to set. Like it's like six shows on a Saturday night, and you're like trying to map it out so you can either run literally or like take the subway. And my dream was to be successful enough that I could afford to just take cabs between my sets. Because I remember seeing a comic, I think it was Lynn Coblitz, and she was like taking a cab to her next show. And I was like, whoa, she's killing it. Like she can afford a cab. Like this wow. is mind blowing. <laughs> And then Uber came and kind of ruined that dream because basically anybody can afford to not take the uh -huh. subway to their gig. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's been a, definitely a change of like, I remember, especially if you did a gig late at night and you're like, oh God, I'm gonna have to get back to my apartment by, via subway at 3 a.m. So I'm gonna wait an hour before the subway even gets there and it's gonna be a whole adventure. And now that's like a, 
it's I'm so far removed from it because I've been spoiled by all the Ubers and Lyfts and and the like. I would have killed for Uber when it first came to New York. I missed an audition in Phoenix, uh, a callback for a film. Wait, you I, wanted I an Uber to Phoenix? No. <gasps> oh, okay. It was uh, the trains were slow, and I had no other way to get there. And I, I, you're not going to just be able to catch a cab anywhere you go necessarily. This was pre-app uh, for a cab. Right. Right. And um, the internet still did, did exist back, back then. But uh, – and I missed the plane by like 15 Aww. minutes. Uh, Sucks. And Yeah. And I, uh, I couldn't get a plane out there fast. I would have literally paid – now that I look back, I'm glad I didn't. But at the time, I would have paid $1,000 to catch a plane and get to that audition on time. Uh, because it was it was too big an opportunity at that time. Yeah, and uh, and I really thought I. It's crazy how that stuff. Ebbs and Mark and could have been the Joker in Dark Knight Returns. I don't know what it was for. Oh no, <laughs> no, I, I, it was for something insane. In Arizona, I turned that yeah. down. No, I. Uh, no, it was for a film called all called uh, that never got made, as far as I know, called Nano Dogs. And it was about wow. Dogs. You can tell the internet dogs. was dogs. around. No, no, no. Was, That's not worth a thousand dollars. Dogs that get implanted with um, like nanochip technology, and it turns them some sort of super dog. And oh, it that was, exists today. It was uh, they were filming at like military installations, and it was like gonna there was gonna be a lot of really cool special effects, and um, it was an opportunity. I would have played. I was up for a part that was sort of like equivalent to Joe Pesci in Home Alone. That kind That's of fun. Character. Like the bumbling burglar. Yeah, but like the gruffer of the two. And uh yeah, it was it was it was pretty cool. That was back in the day when you would fly to Phoenix for an audition, you idiot. Ah, <laughs> so, you know, that's, not put it on tape. You know, I I flew to VHS. New York and <laughs> Los Angeles and Phoenix for auditions because I at the time it felt felt like a huge get. Now an audition like that, I might go, I don't know. Right. Make me late for another appointment. Forget it. You know? Yeah. So. uh, Yeah. It's a sliding scale. Okay. Well, so Mark, we have a magician in our midst. Well, wait. And no, my nerd tip I want to talk about. I was going to say we haven't talked about your nerd tip yet. Just the tip. Nerd tip. What I wanted to. Okay. So I found out this week that. I'm just so excited because I just remember. I found out this week that over um, in December, over the holiday time, I'm probably going to Disney World, Whoa. which I've never been. Okay, I've only Wh- been to Disneyland. Now, hold which on. Which one's World again? World the is one Florida. In Florida. You'll be there with Star Wars wide open. Okay. Okay. First of all, that's exciting. But secondly, I'm probably going to carve out a day for Universal Studios, a.k.a. The Wizarding World of Harry uh, Potter. You know, it's also good. Okay. Twister's good. A what? Universal Twister's Studios. gone, though, Wait, I think. Oh, is it gone? Twister. I think it's gone. Yeah. That was a good one. Twister good Land? One. No, there was... It was Twister a, was a non-ride ride. You would just stand there and watch a show. In Basically, what? But it was cool. It, it was in Universal Studios. Yeah. I oh, in Universal oh, yeah. Studios. Yeah. And oh, was, my God. Was, I'm not even thinking about movies from the early aughts. I'm thinking about. <laughs> I think that may have been the 90s. Was it the yeah. 90s? I guess but Twister it was. wasn't it. But it was cool. You would stand in. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your story, but you would stand in this room, and then the door closes, and then basically a twister happens. I've been to Universal yeah. Studios and in LA, and I it's think they had it pretty there crazy too. Crazy that the, the, the like wow. in between. I'm just excited one. that I finally met the one man whose favorite ride is Twister. <laughs> 
I didn't think that person existed, but I've met him today. There's rides where you're on a roller coaster. There's rides where you get to shoot aliens, and you're like, I like standing and, and watching a cow about fly by. Harry yeah. Potter, and he's like, Wait, I have a hurricane ride. Well, it actually was my favorite because I don't. It like... was a twister, not a hurricane. To be I'm clear, sorry, sorry. I don't like... credit where credit is due. Well, I don't like going on rides where you're trapped on the ride and you have to let... like something like um yeah. What do you not like? Uh, Sky uh, Mount Space Mountain. Like you don't I... like Space Mountain. Wait, when you say trapped, you mean just like. <laughs> Safely restrained so that you don't die in what, the ride. What I mean is, once <laughs> once I'm in that ride, I, I can't get off of it. I can't no, you leave. Can't. Twister, I, though, you couldn't leave either. You were standing, you? but they locked that door. Walk, I could walk right out of the door if I needed to. If I'm in the if I'm in the middle of this ride and I'm not feeling well or something, I'm stuck for the duration. In your dream of the scenario, ride. do they eliminate those rides, or like at the top of Space Mountain, are you allowed to just walk off? I don't want to eliminate the rise. There's people that enjoy them. I just, but you want the ability in the I, middle of Haunted Mansion to be like, I am out, and just like take a side door. I, I, I wanted to see a hat box. I want an ejection seat. Okay, wait. What about though, Pirates of the Caribbean? Because you're can't get off that boat. You're on a you're on the boat. water. They have a bathroom on the boat. Do they? No, they, they don't have a bathroom they... on the boat for pirates. It sounds like Mark had a personal I think experience. Mark peed Can on I the boat. He peed on a child. <laughs> Can I share my nerd? You definitely yes, shouldn't sorry. be on that boat. All right. Better be more interesting than our conversation before, about peeing I... on the Pirates of Caribbean. <laughs> before I continue, has anyone here been to the uh, Wizard? Mom, is there a world? fountain? Sorry, the Wizarding. Get out of here. No. Yes. Has anyone? Be... You've been? I've been to the one in You've L.A. The a bunch of times. The, wait, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter? Oh yeah. <gasps> Oh my god! And you guys, okay, 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 okay. So I'm like freaking out a lot. So what I have today for our listeners is some tips when you visit. And because you guys have been, I want to know if these are legit because I've been doing my research. Okay, tip number one for navigating: get there early. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> I feel like that's what every single. Every it's called a rope drop. Every single thing. That's like a real thing. Part. People will Everyone wait for the waiting. rope to drop and then rush at things. Oh, if, if everyone followed the directions to get there early, then it wouldn't matter. Would I know, it? but you know there are those people that are going to sleep in anyway. Whatever. Okay, so get there early. Number two, this is really cute for people with children, is to know the height requirements, okay? And I actually think when I go that if, if I go um, – also, it will be with my boyfriend's um, nieces and nephews. He calls them nibblings, like siblings, like niece and nephew, siblings, nibblings. Anyway. Or the brothers and that sisters was, that you eat. That was weird until you explained it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nibblings. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's what a cannibal says when his brother is a snack. Delicious. So anyway, but I think the nibblings will be with us. So so check those height requirements, parents, because listen, some of them you have to be 54 inches tall. Some you have to be 36, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Then I heard this. Tell me if this is true, that people actually disappear through platform nine and three quarters. So if you're taking the Hogwarts Express from the King Cross station, apparently it's easy to miss one of the like coolest things. It's like a special effect if you don't know where to look. So you have to stand back from the entrance um, uh, to the tunnel leading to the train, and people ahead will appear to pass through a solid brick wall. How cool is that? Have you done that? No, I did the Orlando one. I mean the uh, the L.A. one. Oh, so maybe it's different. Yeah, Orlando is smart because they built two – they put half of Harry Potter World in Islands of Adventure – 
and half in the main park. And so you have to pay for a ticket for both parks to experience all of Harry I Potter. I cannot. Wow, so you have to pay double the price, basically. I don't it's, know if that's smart or evil. That's, it's um, it's genius. It is actually genius. But anyway, I thought that was cool. And well, then also, wait, before you go on, one um, more pro about tip. Height, requ- height, uh, height requirements. Yeah. I find that so interesting. I, and I think about all of the, I wonder how many, I mean, this is a legit <laughs> question. I wonder how many little people there are yeah. in the United States, for example. Yeah, they can't get on those rides. Truly, because it's Should, a safety issue. Is there enough little people to support, business model wise, a uh, an amusement park where right where their height requirements would be well? Where, well, the bigger market is children who are the same height. So if you have rides that allow little people to get on them, well, you'd be allowing children too, children, which would be yeah. a good market. You no, know, I'm not worried about the children. They don't have the money to pay for the rides properly themselves. <laughs> right. the, uh, the the many of the little people are gainfully employed yeah. and have a right to be entertained the same way as any other adult. Right. So can there be like height? But see, here's the you thing. Well, there, so there, there is. Here's, there you're, might you're be. Ready for my weird. I have a lot of trivia in this head. Uh, I'm a big fan of Coney Island. That's my favorite theme park. It's like Disney if he was homeless. And uh, <laughs> right? Who needs making a mini when you can see two mice actually get with each other? Yes. Um, Love it. But Coney Island, historically, before it burned down, because it was made of wood and yeah. it burned down. Um, but in the original park, there was, I think it was called Midget Town. I, I know that's not the appropriate word now, but I think they referred to it back then like that. Well, but that's they, like Oriental Rug, isn't it? It's yes. technically the yeah. name. Yeah. Oh, my really God. PC. I can't believe they still call it that. Um but it's uh, it, it was I don't remember the exact name of it, but it was a town for little people to live, like legitimately live, um, especially back then when people were ostracized. I think a lot more, and, and people were less accepting. So there was a full town that you would visit. That everything was scaled down for little people, so okay. they liked it because they were like, everything is my size. I, yeah. But they legitimately lived in this little people town, and people would regular size people or nor uh, would come in and and witness this, and that was part of Coney Island. And one wow. of the famous stars of that was Princess Wee Wee. Okay. Um, and there were, and that was like a it was it was this weird thing where on one side you don't want to turn anybody into an amusement just because of the way they were born, but on the other side it was a huge advantage to these people because they were letting they were allowed to live in a town that was actually built for them for their yeah. size and have community in that yeah. Place. But then they had to do things that I'm sure were very like not fun of like have like pretend like have a fire you know have a pretend like fire that the the little people fire department would put out with their little. You know, what year miniature was this? trucks. This was in the early 1900s. Wow! I I yeah. love that he just threw had that. I, I want to see what, what other trivia can come out of that head. Like I'll just go like, vice grips go, <laughs> you know, like somewhere. <laughs> and by the way, if you have trivia about vice grips, I will be genuinely impressed. So, please continue, well, Danielle. You know, we... my last nerd tip is um. <laughs> My last tip on this long journey that we've been on is it's really um, been made long because of us, not you. I know, and I'm actually delighting in these little um, segues. Um, no, the another thing is okay. So there is apparently um, a magic phone booth outside the train station. And it's the red phone box outside of it. Uh, okay, people like take pictures by it, but if you actually use the phone and you dial. M A G I C six two four four two. You'll be patched through to the Ministry of Magic, Ooh. and you'll have a little convo. <sighs> anyway, twenty eighteen was the year that I read all seven of the Harry Potter books for oh, the first so you're time a in brand my whole life. Fan. So I am like Jonesing. Is there like some guy named Brent sitting in a like a room somewhere, just going? Anyone called today? Nope. No one seemed to know about the phone call. Maybe. Oh, well. yeah. 
I'll take that job. I'm I'll tell you so down. My, I have some Harry Potter tips. Oh my God, tell me. Tip one is, this is just a trivia fact, but oh my that God. a lot of the people who are hired in the Orlando one are from England, so their accents are real. Love. So that's fun. So they're not faking their you accents. You know all the British things. Um, but the second thing is, you can buy a Bluetooth wand if you buy the right wand. Yes, yes. Uh, you, can, you get a map. Uh, and you can stand in certain spots and activate magic throughout the park, That's which is insane. really awesome. I know. You can, like, go to Ollivander's, right? So Ollivander's is a separate thing. That's, like, a whole experience. You oh have to, like, God. wait in line, and, like, one kid will get chosen. Oh, my gosh. Um, I've That's never done Ollivander's. Cool. Why uh, kid? Why cannot? Why can an adult? I think it's usually, because it's, like, it's, like, a whole show, and I'm sure, I'm, I imagine it'd be oh, weird if they so chose sad. an adult and not a child. Okay, fine. Um, but also, the, the single rider line is your best friend, especially in, like, Universal. Um, as long as you're okay with not being put, like not sitting next to the person you're with, maybe right. sitting one or two, you it cuts the weight insanely. Amazing. Um, I did the Harry Potter ride six times in a row. <gasps> um, just going, like literally in an endless loop. And oh it was gosh. just because I was going on the single rider line. And once in a while, they're like, hey, we have two seats together. Do you mind? So my friend and I, even though we were in the single rider line, ended up sitting together anyway. Amazing. But with zero weight. It was incredible. Uh, okay, that's that's the end. That's smart. All right. And there's two kinds tips. of butterbeer and you should have both. <gasps> oh my God, what's what's the, there's normal and what else? There's like regular kind and then there's like a frozen slushy version and they're both delicious. Are they alcoholic? They're not, but if you go to the, the Leaky Cauldron, yeah. they do like an apple pie shot that is definitely booze and the food is British and good. Like it's like, <gasps> Bangers and mash and the whole, it's actually very good. Well, now ah! I kind of want to go see this. I hadn't, didn't have that so like hankering to go see it because I'm not the uber, uber Harry Potter fan. I've, have you I've read any the of the movies. books, Mark? No, I didn't read the books, but I, I saw why. the, I saw the movies. But, but I, but I, even watching the movies, I was like, okay, um, enjoyed it. The but books are I don't level. have to like, have to go to the. But now I kind of want to go. It sounds real, like it's really been very thoughtful. And when you go, you may talk like this. Well, I don't have a real British accent. Oh, you can do your Cockney. Oh my gosh, we actually had a guy, oh, an yes. Australian. A we know we had no, no, we had an Australian um, guest. Val- and apparently, a, I've done two tours in Australia, so I've lived good, there for uh, I guess Aussie over three accent. months total. Oh yeah, and I was I was signed off for having a good Aussie you, accent ooh, from yeah. Jason Chatfield, who's a oh, cartoonist. Yeah, you know him, of course. Yeah, he's from Perth, and when I, vi- I, I know. visited Perth, my twice, best friend's from Perth. Middle of nowhere, right? It's incredible, though. <gasps> you can go to Rottnest Island, which is an island off the coast of Perth. Uh, you go to Fremantle, and it's 10,000 quokkas, which are these marsupials that look like if a kangaroo and a teddy bear had a baby. And that's where baby. they live, and they love humans. And so you like, you, you just get to hang out with the most adorable animal in the world. They're so kind, AKA and there's 10,000 of them. Wow. Yeah, like a real-life teddy bear. <gasps> my best friend, her name is also Danielle. I am really only close friends with people with my same name. It's a thing. <laughs> but she's also from Perth. And so when he walked in, the second we started talking, I did not look up his origin story of where mm-hmm. he was from. And so he's like, oh, well, you knew that from Wikipedia. And I was like, no, dude. I just <laughs> I heard your Perthness. Yes. Your Perthtonian. <laughs> okay, that right. concludes Great. my nerd okay. tip. Let's... Uh... Play a quick improv game and then we'll get to Harrison. Let me get out my script. See what I did there? uh Aha. I did. Yes, I did. (laughs) You're cheating. Yes, I did. Yes, let's do that. Yes, and. Uh, We're going to play a game that I. Just loudly turn pages into the microphone as I. I, I... Yeah, maybe you'll get some answers from that good housekeeping. I've mentioned. um, (laughs) Oh, I thought of a really good idea for a game that we're going to play in the future, not today. Okay. But don't um, tease me like that, Mark. But it, it could be like yeah, kind of I have a like, great idea for a game, but you can't play it, it. It could be called like like fake trivia. So you give someone a uh, you know a suggestion, and then they have to make up all sorts of 
cool trivia. I'm the about king it. of fake trivia. I know. Why can't we play it with him? I because used to I give fake to. tours at Harvard. I used to literally do fake tours. Because we would <laughs> get the tourists, and I'd wear the same color shirt as the real tour I, guides, and we would give them totally made up trivia about Harvard, like crazy things. And they would believe it. And we filmed a couple of them for this TV show that we did, like a little campus TV show. Frankly, a lot lot of the uh, tour guides like out in L.A. and Hollywood, they make up half that stuff. Oh, I'm sure. They told I know because I knew one of them that totally. Oh, man. Anyway, so the game we're going to play today, and main reason I don't want to play the, okay because I haven't thought it through yet. So, I know I got it. I got uh, it. Is called Guppy Tank, and it's basically Shark Tank, but with ideas that are implausible. But you have to somehow sell it and convince someone to invest in it. That's Love the idea. It. Of the okay, game. that's fun. So as we do this round robin, whoever is pitching, the others are the are the judges, are the investors, are the sharks, are the guppies, Yes, I should say. Okay? Uh, so um, I'll demonstrate just t- to clarify the how this should go. And then everybody uh, else is the Everybody the, else the sharks is, are the ones that should either tear it apart or – or believe in it, or decide. I'll to be the invest. Barbara and invest, despite and, everybody else having no wanting no part of it. <laughs> when someone in, and when someone invests, that means that it, it, you're done. Okay. So, or if nobody invests, but it's more fun if someone decides to invest. Okay. So um, what I need is a suggestion, and then the invention will come from that suggestion. Uh, okay. Anyone? Espresso. Okay. And and who am I playing? I'm so sorry. Well, you're playing Danielle. Oh, okay, cool. So Danielle, the investor. Oh yeah, I have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So impress me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've hired. Uh, hello, guppies. Uh, I'm so excited to share with you my company, uh, which is called Espresso for You, and what it is is it's clothing made from used espresso beans. So what's Ah. great is each day that you make coffee, you're actually moving closer and closer to a wardrobe of your dreams. I love the sustainability. Thank you. Thank you, Danielle. So Is uh, is your clothing only brown? It is only brown. But are we we talking deep brown, dark brown, taupe, tan, khaki? Espresso. Oh, espresso right. That's color. a smell like espresso. So, um, you do, which is great. It does make you stand out from a crowd. Um, <laughs> I'm asking for an investment of $22,000 in return for 3% of my company. That's it? That's, That's chump it. change. I know. And uh, what I will tell you that I'm excited about is that instead of wa- every time you wash your clothing, you actually get a brand new cup of coffee. Um, would you consider changing the name of your business to Espresso Yourself? I was thinking, wow, we're on the mm, same page. Or Self-Espressos. Yeah. Um, Self-Espressin. Really? Um, yeah. Our, our, yeah, our marketing is better than yours, so. <laughs> well, I you would, know. but I would, I would ask for a 1% uh, additional uh, or less of uh, equity in my company. Too so many, too many percentages. Get, I need. Uh, speaking of espresso, I need a cup of it because I'm falling asleep. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm sorry. So you're out then, Danielle? <laughs> well, I was thinking if the name changed to uh, self espressin. Okay. Or, yes, I like that one. Uh, I I would. I'd be. I'd be willing to invest fifty uh, percent. 
I would would two of you be willing to go in together? We I'll double it so that we have a hundred percent of your company. You are no we longer. We want a hundred. Yeah, we're buying. We already you renamed out. your company. So what do we need you for? Uh, nothing apparently. All right, um, it's a deal. <laughs> All right, we own it. So we gave, we gave you. <laughs> I haven't even asked about the temperature of your clothing. I assume no, it's scalding no. hot at all times. <laughs> so um, I don't know if that was a good example, but that's an example of how this goes. So uh, Daniel. So it's like okay. Why don't you pitch next? Okay, go. It's like what you you were no, saying. No, 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 I'm ready. Okay, so uh, Elsie, why don't you give Daniel a suggestion? Um, guppy lollipops. Guppy lollipops. What? Guppy lollipops is a suggestion. Uh, pitch it away. You're on Guppy Tank. Hi, everyone. Uh, hi. My hi. name is Chantra. <laughs> hi, Chantra. Hi, Chantra. Is that two separate <laughs> names or is that one first name? My first name's Sean. My last name's Trail Double ah, L. Gotcha. And I'm here to talk to you about Guppy Pops. Okay. They pop in your mouth. Have you heard of Swedish Fish? That delicious gummy treat. Well, it's a spinoff of those fish. They're guppies. They're frozen solid little gummy guppies in a candy hard ball on a lolly that you suck until you're done. (laughs) And kids are going to love it. I'm looking for $1.5 million for this. Are you concerned that you're you're selling a product to children and the slogan seems to be "suck it till you're done"? <laughs> oh, that's not the su- that's not the slogan. Oh, okay. That's well, it in my God. words, Chantrell's words. You gotcha. see. Chantrell, uh, yeah. I'm curious. Um, what was your decision to go with a gummy instead of actual guppies? Oh, actual guppies. We did a whole test. They were salty, very much like sardines. Didn't didn't they were a no go for the FDA? Did they still pop? Uh, too much. So now what we're looking at is a hard candy with many little gummy surprises inside. And to go along with the pop thing, there's Pop Rocks in there too. So we already have interest from the Pop Rocks team. What can you bring? I must say this actually sounds like a good idea. <laughs> it doesn't sound well, terrible as the, My grandfather actually founded the Swedish Fish Company. And uh, we did weather a storm recently. I'm sure you saw on the news. That uh, we'd been using Nazi money. Um, <gasps> yes, but that, that was my grandfather. That was my grandfather. And we are trying to, we're looking for a new direction. So something that would appeal to children, especially Jewish children, would be very appealing in my portfolio. Well, and we can change the slogan if you like. It doesn't have to be sexual. What do you think? Can it be kosher? I think that's the important <gasps> question. You know what? We'll, we'll get that little mini you slapped right on as soon as we can get that approved. Well, I don't really want to go up against the Nazis, so I'm out. <laughs> Oh no, we we as as my PR person has insisted upon many times, no longer Nazis for sure. It's Excellent. A, it's so like so are slogan. you in? Sir? That is definitely our slogan. So, sir, are you in? What do you think? Oh, I am in. Uh, One point five mil. Yeah, the only nine I'm saying is the nine million <laughs> that I would be thrilled to invest. All right, it's a done deal. Shake on it. Congratulations. Thank you, Chantrell out. <laughs> Chantrell out. I love how you threw the glasses on to be in character. That was a close one. I almost gave her six million. Uh, I, <laughs> yes, it's lucky you got mm. away with nine. Yeah, oh. nobody can see that really well-timed drink of water. All right, Elsie, why don't you go it's next? It's radio. Uh, <laughs> Harrison, would you be kind enough to give Elsie a suggestion to pitch with? Oh, yeah. Um, 
Would you want me to give a broad category? How specific do you, would you like this? Yeah, suggestion? don't give her the product. Let her come up with the product. But you can just give her something to start with. Absolutely. I think um, uh, I, I think the magic castle, whatever that means to you. Ooh, wow. She's going to go in a weird direction. I'm excited. Or maybe okay, she won't. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. welcome to Guppy Tank. And here comes our next entrepreneur. So um, I was looking for a $72 million investment on my uh, Magic Castle uh, product. Who are you? What's, what are you uh, what's your name? I'm not telling you that. Ooh, it's, mysterious. It's anonymous. I wanna. I don't want people chasing after me for my brilliant ideas. So um, we'll deal with that off the air, off the record. Yeah. So when I'm um, trying to hide my ideas, I come on national television. Dude. Well, I've got more of them. That's all I'm saying. I've got one right now. I'm going to let out there, but the rest of them stay with me. Okay. Well, I, I mean, as soon as you walked yeah. in, I thought you thought you were on The Masked Singer, but now I understand why you're wearing such an elaborate mask and costume. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And a voice changer, too. Still yeah. haven't heard the idea yet. Keep going. So, um, you know those little pills that you go and buy in the magic shops and, you know... Places that are, have party favors and stuff like that, and you put them in water and they and they grow. But this one is legit a tiny little pill that, as soon as you put it in water, you have an entire livable castle. That sounds plausible. It sounds like. A, have you thought about deploying it in disaster zones? Has that been an application or even a military? Yeah, forget. It's like forget those old sheds from FEMA. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, yeah. Distribute pills after a hurricane. So you're looking for how much? Let's Seventy-two million. And for what percentage equity in this company? Um, I'll let you have two percent. So that's this value it in the company tempting. in billions. Yeah. It is tempting. I uh, I'm in. I'm ready to cure the world. What what color are the castles? The castles are uh, any color that you want. Just you know. Let us know what you want to buy, but there's there's no furniture. You have to do that yourself. Oh well, I'm you know then. people have different kinds of tastes. I understand. Um, I'm in. How do we get growable furniture? Well, I, like I said, we got to talk about this off the air. So as long as you're in and you're buying, we're good. I've got it. It's great television, people. <laughs> <laughs> this is me giving. The oh, bills. okay. Congratulations to the anonymous, to anonymous mask lady, entrepreneur, and finally it could be Ricky Lake the whole time. It probably is. Last, or Rosie O'Donnell. But not least. Who knows? I was a big fan of the Mad Singer. Sorry. No, it's okay. I'm fine. This is We're how talking. I get That's in the zone for my pitch. So last but not least for Harrison. <gasps> yeah. Uh, he, let's give a suggestion. Who didn't give a suggestion yet? Me? Did um, I not? I don't think Danielle gave a suggestion. Okay. I didn't. Because you, you gave a guppy Harrison pop thing to Danielle. Oh, yeah. No, she gave a guppy. Oh, that was her. A guppy right. pop Whatever. Time. Go ahead. Okay. Hey. Um. Hmm. Lawnmower. Are you are you eating candy while you're on mic? Those are guppy pops. I think she's is eating. No, I just had one apricot because oh. I felt oh. famished. Okay, that's fine. Can you hear it? No, I'm fine. Lawnmower. <laughs> yeah, the lawnmower. I mean, have they really made that many improvements since the there's the regular lawnmower which you would push, and then there was a lawnmower you could ride, and then there were the people you could hire, and I think we need. Like, what is a better way to mow your lawn? I don't like, know. Tell us. I got it right here. What about a goat with a handle? 
because they eat grass, don't they? And so if you push the goat around your lawn, it will eat the grass and then it will fertilize your garden. So we're basically selling handles that you attach to your goats to convert them into sustainable organic lawnmowers. So just clarification. First of all, goat not included. Goats not included. Yeah. This is just the handle. This is just the handle. But it's a, it's it the key is to make sure the animals feel happy even when the handle is tasing them into action. And where is the handle? The handle tases. See, I don't like this animal cruelty. Keep so going. This, so so, so where's the handle attached? It's attached uh I mean is there a part of the handle that is inserted anally? Yes. Does it cause discomfort? Only in the straight goats. But the it harness goes over the midsection, wraps around to the back, and then there's a third insertion. And it really makes sure that the goat, you know, mows the lawn as efficiently and quickly as possible. I'm it's at- really in their best interest I'm- to mow the lawn and then have the restraint removed. And what's the investment you're looking for? I am looking for... Uh, well, I actually don't even need money. I'm going to be honest with you. I need no money for this idea, but I would like a thousand goats. So I'm looking for a thousand goats <laughs> in exchange for 20% of my company. How much do we think a thousand goats would be? I, I'm kind of out. I don't like this animal cruelty thing. So take it away, someone. It's only um, cruel if the animals don't enjoy it. I, I'm actually very and interested. I, I find, in my experience, but they're very happy. What I would like to propose is I don't want to give you the goats. I want to license you the goats until I get my money back. Okay. And then I'll reduce my percentage in the company uh, just to keep a stake in it. So I want to license you the goats at two fifty a goat. It's $250, not even equity. No, $2.50. Per goat. Per goat. That sounds like a bargain. I know. Well, you're on guppy take, honey. <laughs> That's right. Wow. I mean, I'd be insane not to take that deal. Would well, you be willing to have your no, face? No, there's no way you're insane. <laughs> Well, no. I well, here's the real question for you. As as one of the most famous investors on Guppy Tank, yes. yeah, tell us. Would I would accept that deal? But would you allow us to put your photograph, your likeness, on the side of every goat that you've licensed us? Wearing a handle. You, if you want to wear a handle in an ad, if I, I wear will a handle, give you fifty percent of the deal. company right now. Okay, I'm in. Taze away. All right. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is Guppy Tank. That's Guppy Tank for you. All right. Uh, I retain all rights to this idea. So clap. I just, just want to say handle. I haven't heard the aunties laugh once. I'm sorry about that. Uh, I mean, it's not you all; it's me. I know. So it runs in the family. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of angst. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, it's gonna be Harrison's story, followed by end of show food. Back right after this. Connect with the show at Mouth Media Network or at our website, funnypeopletalking.com. And please, for the love of all that is holy, subscribe to the show and leave us a damn review and a really, really good rating on iTunes. Pretty please? Thank you. All right, everybody. Uh, welcome back to Funny People Talking. It's time to find a little bit more about our comedian slash magician <laughs> slash <laughs> reality star slash uh, prestidigitator slash. Uh, but before we started recording, there was another word a from thaumaturgist. 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 Yeah. I never. I never heard of such a thing. I have because of Dungeons and Dragons. But what does anyway. it have to do with Dungeons and Dragons? 
Um, there's a spell called Thaumaturgy where literally my character can create her eyes to look however she wants or she can have a an unlocked door slam shut or swing wide open. It's a cantrip, so I can cast it at any time. Okay, so now back to Harrison. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Harrison, let's start. But truly, I want to know about it. Let's start here. Um, no, let's start over here. Uh, what is – how do you look at your identity? Meaning – are are you an entertainer, a comedian, uh, a storyteller, a an actor? What is it that you think that you do if you have to narrow it down to one thing? Well, I'm a comedian and a magician. Um, that's two. Things. That's two things. Um, I, I, my goal, it, it's I think because when you're doing stand up comedy, and this is a serious question, sure. are you doing magic? So it's, Do you it's think? no. Is it a bit of sleight of hand? Is it? Oh, well, a bit it's of verbal. Illusion? It's a verbal magic trick. It's a verbal um, magic. There's a lot. Of, you use the same principles. Sure. There's uh You're misdirecting the audience okay. uh, with your words. Um, my buddy Mike Bent, actually, who uh, is a he's a professor of comedy at Emerson, but also a really good magician. Yeah. And he always talks about story A, story B. I read that in his book. Um, story A, story B is like the joke is story A, and then when the punchline hits, you realize you're actually hearing story B. Um, and there's a lot of I, – I, I love joke theory and, and talking about jokes. Speaking of which, you might need to correct oh, my yes. mistake from Mark Norman's episode. Apparently, I sit, told the necktie theory not Well, in what the was your description way. of it? Let's start with what you um, had. What I – I read about the quote that you said about Paula Poundstone's joke um, about throwing a, um, a life – raft to her mother well she learned how to swim and i, I forget the exact phrasing but yeah. the, the twist is that her mom was clearly trying to kill her because he was being thrown into a lake right okay but so and then you in the necktie theory you talk about how a necktie to most people resonates as power as money as male as it symbolizes something yeah and so in the same way in a joke when you have a joke that resonates so much that it resonates as the same way like a necktie would this is what i took from your blog post gotcha. that that it um that it would it, that that's what creates that communal laughter when it yeah. when a punchline hits, so it's and so that's close. what yeah. I gleaned from it. Like you wrote it a long, long time, ago. time ago, and I I did stand up, and I had one of my best sets after reading that blog post like seven years ago. Like we've known each other a long time. long time. So that's what I gleaned. But continue, sir. No, that, that kind of combines two of my theories. I do have a whole thing about resonance theory that every joke resonates on some level, whether it's the resonance of agreement. You know, I agree with what she's saying or the resonance of uh, of feeling I feel the same way as this person or the resonance of nostalgia. Like I also played Tetris when I was a kid. Um, there's three levels of that or three different kinds of that. And then the necktie theory, uh, my whole concept of that was trying to figure out what are all jokes about at their core? Can you reduce all jokes to a single idea of sorts? Yeah. And the idea is that the necktie, as you said, as soon as people see a necktie, they go male, formal. There's all sorts of associations that a necktie has, but they are not inherent to what a necktie is. A necktie is just a piece of silk tied in a certain way. Right. And so it, that example is a, is to sort of explain how there's a difference between subjective reality and objective reality. Cool. Um, it's a subjective reality that a necktie means male or formal or any of those things. But we take it almost as an objective reality, that that's just what it is. Mm. And our jobs as comedians is to remind people that the things that we sometimes take as objective are actually subjective. And um, that can be very broad. Like racism comes from a, a confusion of subjective and objective, mm. where they believe that is an objective fact that different races are different. 
mm-hmm. whereas that's really their subjective opinion. There's nothing about race makes one race smarter than the other, mm-hmm. or, or there's no that that's not an objective reality. Um, the Paul Poundstone joke is the difference between she believes that is an objective fact that her mom was helping her <laughs> swim, but we know that that's really a subjective take because the reality of the situation is that her mom was trying to kill her, like try to get rid of her, yeah, by tossing this kid who didn't know how to swim in a lake in the middle of nowhere, yeah. Um, so that that's that's sort of a thing about what the content of every joke really is, what we're trying to push at. Cool. Yeah. When you write a joke, how conscious are you of what you just said in thinking about structure, form, destination of the joke? Or is it happening organically? And right now you just stepped aside from the world of comedy just to explain it. And then you step in and you're just in the stream. Well, the coming up with the joke has to be the magical part of like the – just an idea coming to you and you going, this is funny and I want to talk about this. And then once I get on stage and I've started to really like mold the clay into the joke, that's when I can I can actually step back and be like, okay, how do I make this joke funnier? Like this is getting so a laugh, this part's not up. Then you really get technical. Okay, yeah. Cool. Seinfeld talks about like going back to the lab. So like you but you need something to go to the lab with. So that part is the magical part of like what I want to talk about. Is this gonna resonate with the audience? Like a bit that I just put on YouTube is about Governor Morris, who is the penman of the Constitution. He's the guy who actually wrote it down. Amazing. And he's an insane person. He was like a Mm -hmm. fat guy with a peg leg. Um, And it's a whole bit about the history of this guy. And so like being attracted to this guy in terms of him being a subject of a joke, that's the magic where there's no like technical explanation for it. It's about me just resonating with this guy and wanting to tell his story in a a stand-up form. But then once you get on stage with it and you have all these different ideas for where the joke can go, that's when you can literally sit down and like, you know, go under the hood of the car and tweak little things here and tweak little things there. And I love that stuff. Like I'm in the middle of a joke right now about Einstein and I don't know where it's going to end up, but it's now I'm in that hood part where I can like lift up the hood and be like, there's seven different ways to make this funny, but what's the right way? That's so cool. Can I just say something about Harrison real quick? Because I've known him for many years Harrison, I just have to exhort you right now because seriously, you are one of the most hardworking comedians I've ever met or ever oh, known. Thank you. You're welcome. Like this man right here is like constantly working on your craft, doing and I'm not even a, a I never was a stand-up comedian. I was always an actress being like, what is this thing? And being that and seeing that, I'm just always to your credit. So segue. Why, You're why, welcome. Why is that? Where does that come from? Where does yeah. the drive come I'll from? T- I, well, no, I'm serious because no, I, is this a part of who Harrison is in general? Or is it just that you're so determined to make this work that you'll do anything? Like, how is that? It's both. I mean, I was always a, like, you know, I, I was the valedictorian and I and, and there was always like that drive to work really hard. Um, but with stand-up in particular, the only way to make something funnier is to get on stage. Like even with magic or with a, mu- a musical instrument. You can practice alone in your apartment, at least to a degree, especially if you're like, if you're playing the guitar, you can play the guitar for in your alone in your apartment for a year and be substantially better at the end of that year and then go up in front of people and they're like, wow, he's so good at guitar. Maybe it's more than a year. But right. uh, with stand up, my instrument is the audience. So the yeah. only way I can practice is in front of okay. people. And so I have to get on stage. I, I get on stage 600, 700 times a year because that's the only way to to, to get good those jokes where I need you. to get them. So let's go back to something you just said. You're a valedictorian of yeah. your high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, did you go to college? Uh, yeah. Why did you go to college? Uh, well, what did you study? I studied psychology. That's a great thing. It's a good question, though. Yeah, study though. I, I, so I, I'm a counselor at Magic Camp. Um, and I've been, I've been going to the camp since I was a kid. This will be my 19th year going to camp. Oh my god! Uh, I That's love so camp. Cool. Um, 
But I'm like the guy, we, we had a panel this year where some people who did go to college and some people who didn't, like gave sort of the pros and cons to the kids. And I'm I'm very much in defense of kids should go to college. Um, and I, I believe even, even, especially for a comedian, like all the, my approach to jokes is informed by my college experience. And I, I researched the jokes. Like some, a joke like about Governor is all historically mm-hmm. accurate um, or as accurate as I can get it. Um, and it, you're, I think you learn how to learn at college and being a comedian sometimes requires you to take in a lot of data and observe the world. And these are all things that I would not be a comedian if I hadn't gone to college. So a lot of people out there who may be uninformed. So uh, one thing that's wrong is that uh, athletes are, may not be intelligent. Um, but it actually turns out that football players, for example, by necessity are commonly very intelligent individuals. It takes a very intelligent individual to process the plays that they do, remember them, understand the all the intricacies of the way that the game works and everything like that. And it, uh, many of them go on to do really remarkable things. Same thing with comedians to me. Unless they're that, hit so much their brain is damaged, <laughs> which, know, is what, which is, we, which no, is no, the no, whole lawsuit well, with the NFL. That's, yeah, that's, that's the different. whole thing that's happening. <laughs> So with comedians, I, I'm not alluding to the idea of comedians not being intelligent, but I think a lot of times there are people that would think, is this a real job, right? Mm. Okay. We know how hard you work. We know it is a real job. Mm-hmm. But but so my but, job is to make it look easy. Like I would okay. say that we're like strippers. Good. Like everybody thinks they can so, take their clothes off and be a stripper. So, But strippers really work hard at doing that job. I think yeah. it's the same with comedy. Everybody can make their friends laugh. And it's – and Danielle, I mean – uh, we've all we've both seen these com- comics who like it's their first show ever. Oh my god! And they're the funniest person in the office for sure. And then they go <laughs> on stage and they Pop do wall. not do well. Cricket. Um, and it's because it's it's a different skill. Yeah. Yes. So my question, really, that I'm getting to here is, how does a valedictorian, who you think that person's going to be a senator, that person's going to run a company, that person's <laughs> going to blah blah blah, how does how do you go from being valedictorian, which means by the way, you applied yourself. Yeah, you, and I graduated top of my class at Harvard. Harvard. Not, yeah. Just drop your way. mic right Sorry. now. So how does that happen <laughs> that a valedictorian – and I don't mean it like it's an error. I mean tell us about the decision that say this – comedy is your widget. Comedy is your product. Yeah. And and magic too, I, I guess, to some degree. Well, that's, that's been the thing that I've learned. You, you don't know where your journey is going to end up. I – I did magic since I was a little kid, went to magic camp. And then when I got to college in Harvard, there was a magic show in Harvard Square. Um, and it happened to take place in a comedy club. So I was all of a sudden hanging out in a comedy club. And I was like, wait, what is this thing? This stand-up comedy thing? Like, that wasn't in, in my orbit. I grew up with magicians as my idols. Um, a lot of comedians would be like, I watched Eddie Murphy when I was a kid and I knew I was going to do it. I watched Copperfield and I was like, I want that. Um, but I, all of a sudden I was surrounded by these stand-up comedians. I was like, this is incredible. And all of my magic had been a vehicle for me to be funny. But what is if I got yeah. rid of that vehicle and was just funny? So there was a long time where I was a, a purist of like, I'm just going to do stand-up and the magic, there's going to be a big divide. There's my stand-up world and my magic world. And most stand-up comedians didn't even know I did magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I started incorporating the two. And I realized that comedy magic in particular really needed, still needs a paradigm shift where a lot of the comedy magic is stock or or has been passed down in a way or these magicians just buy scripts and tricks from a magic store. Wow. And I was like, no, I'm going to 
create magic the way I create comedy, which is from scratch, from from a blank so page. Cool. So I come up with the script first, and then I have to invent a method or or you know figure out how to make it magical. Um, and that approach has been really fun, and it's been uh, that's that's been a real journey, and that that's has to use every part of my brain because when I'm on stage doing my stand up magic show. Uh, I'm after 80 minutes, I'm, I'm done. I'm like a sweaty mess and I like pass out. I feel like you're, that's you embracing all of yourself though. Like how cool is that? Yeah. That you're like not hiding one part in the shadows. Like, Ooh, I don't know. Like you're like, you found this thread to take it all the way through. And like, that's what's, Mm-hmm. creating the momentum of success in your career. Yeah. And then you realize too, like the only reason comedians don't like magicians is because they're aware of that stuff that a lot of these right. comedy magicians are relying on the props to be funny. They're not writing their own jokes. Yeah. And they know that I'm a comic. They see me at the cellar, like doing just stand up. Uh, so then they see me core with the magic. They're like, we love magic. We just don't like magicians, but you're not. So you're, right. you're a comedian with magic, not a magician with comedy. And that's been sort of my like, battle cry of like how do you put and I do a lecture I tour all around the country doing lectures at magic conventions and magic clubs and the lecture is called you are all terrible and it's literally me being like (laughs) you don't create magic the way any other artist does it an artist comes up with an idea and then he then he he or she has to figure out how to make that idea come to life you don't buy the trick and then go how do I jam into my act so I and then I teach them also about how to write a joke. There's so many times where I teach wow. people how to write a joke and then I make them write a joke. Like even if it's a bad one, I'm like just write a joke. And then I raise I mean, people raise their hand. I go, who here has that, that's the first joke they've ever written. And most of the people raise their hand. And we're talking about a room of like potentially a lot of comedy magicians. Wow. And that was the first time they've ever actually written a joke for themselves. And so that's been a, a big mission is, is touring this and, and, and ch- change people's minds about how comedy magic should come about. That's the difference between a comedian and someone who uses comedy. Yeah. Really, you know. Yeah. Uh, or just someone who's funny versus a true comedian. Now you've really been you've really been pursuing an entrepreneurial path here because this is not a fly by night thing for you. Aside from the work ethic that Danielle alluded to. Oh yeah. You know you've been getting it going. You've got a web series that you've been you've been launching. Uh, you've been on. Last Comic Standing, mm-hmm. you've been on America's Got Talent. And next, The Bachelorette. No, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not allowed to talk about it, but there's another- I filmed another show that- Another should, show. Not going to win as long as it airs, because there's never a guarantee they're going to air it. But uh, yeah, I filmed an appearance I'm very happy about. That It was really fun. Um, that would air in the summer. Cool. Yeah. So, um, and you've also done some acting as well, Yes. Uh, not too much acting, acting. I'm much more of a, like, I like hosting a lot. Okay. So. Um, I worked so hard to, to establish my persona and my voice that it feels like a shame to take somebody else's. Um, <laughs> so like when I host, it's really fun to incorporate my style into whatever I'm doing. What is your style? I mean, we've he's hosted here, so but... many of my comedy shows <laughs> I've produced. You were always oh, yeah. like our go-to host, remember? For yeah, college yeah. diversity. So what is your style? What, I mean, we're experiencing some of it here, but what are, you know, how would you describe your unique voice. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because somebody recently described it. They're like, I was laughing really, really hard. And then at the end of it, I realized I learned something. And I'm not trying to be a teacher or a professor, not at all. But I do think it's important that I'm not wasting your time, that you do come away with a better understanding of the world, at least as I, as I see it. So there is like an incorporation of a lot of like real facts and history and all that kind of stuff. And it's about- I love it. Yeah. Smart, but it's accessible. True. So true. Hope. But that's, then that's your thing. Yeah. That's great. 
I like it. And I also love that it ties in well with you, you know, with Harvard <laughs> and with valedictorian that what you've tied in is, is you know, the not this has to be your moniker, but, you know, like the smart comic. Well, you hi- you know, I spent so much time hiding that where it was like, mm. if you said Harvard, people would be turned off by it. And so you get scared to even mention that you, yeah. you know, you're, you don't say it on stage. That'll just alienate them. Sure. And figuring out how do you do it in a self-deprecatory way, but how do you incorporate those skills <laughs> and well, things and, and, and make a product that people do enjoy? I think the main thing is you have to lead with a fart joke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or like Carlin used to say, politics and poop jokes. That's yes. how he got. He, you can do jokes about politics as long as you offset them with poop. Genius. Who, who out there in the comedy world to you exemplifies the kind of career that you're really hoping that you can, you know, uh, follow those kinds of footsteps? Yeah. I mean, Geraldo minus the overdose. Um, Perfect. I mean, up, up until that point, his career was really, uh, I was very envious of. Um, I, I mean, I think Carlin had the best quote, not to quote a guy twice in a row, but um, he's Carlin. Um he was always saying that the, the way you knew you made it is if they write a book about stand-up comedy and they have to include you. And that's how Carlin knew he made it. Like, you can't write a book about the history of stand-up comedy without yeah. at least shouting out George Carlin. Truly, you can't. And so that's the same thing as I, I, I would like it that if you write a history of comedy and or magic, you'd have to at least give me a footnote. At least. How, how do you plan to accomplish that? unclear um no i mean it's about putting out really really good work and hopefully getting a wider and wider audience for that work and having people recognize that it's something new and interesting now i alluded to your web series that you're launching is it already out there now it's not out yet i think it debuts at the end of may i think that's our launch date talk about it yeah i joined forces with the ustoa they're the uh the United States Tour Operators Association so if you're a tour company and if you didn't know that shame on you yeah uh, but if you're a tour operator and you or a destination where you want tours to come to, they all go through this sort of group and they have funded this web series where I travel around the world um, called Recalculating because the idea is nobody gets lost anymore because we have GPS. So I'm purposely going to get lost and do wild things off the beaten path. So I went dog sledding in Vancouver. I learned how to make a California roll from the guy who invented the California roll <gasps> in Vancouver. Whoa. And it was delicious. And wait, like, wait, wait, where does he live? Vancouver. What? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's did. false My advertising. My dreams are shattered. I know. Well, he incorporated avocado, which makes it a California roll. It truly does. Oh. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. And then I went to Mexico City and I ate a bunch of bugs and iguana. And it, it was it was this guy who has wow. been sort of holding the mantle for Aztec food, pre-Hispanic food. Um, and so we went to the guy and he, I made mosquito egg pancakes and all sorts of weird things. Some of them actually very delicious. Um Some of them a little bit. The, the raton del campo was a tough one for me. Ooh, el raton. Yeah, the mouse. Uh, the mouse was hard because it looked like a mouse. Uh, but yeah, and then Coney Island learning sideshow stunts from the sideshow master, um, Todd Robbins. So I learned, I, we fooled around with sword swallowing and fire eating and the blockhead with the nail in the nose. So it's been really, really wild. And then we're going to go to Europe soon. So yeah, awesome. that starts, they, we start releasing it, I think, at least once a month. And where? May. Where? YouTube? On the interwebs. Yeah. It'll Probably be on, Facebook on their and YouTube, YouTube channels. Okay, that's great. so cool. That yeah. is so Do cool. let us know. We'll we'll uh, when it's live. If you would, we'll we'll make something. Uh, we'd like to support that. That sounds Hooray. really really exciting. And maybe there's an opportunity for us to collaborate in a way that's supportive. Absolutely. So, uh, last question for me, anyway, uh, for you, which is a shame because I'd love to spend a lot more time. Uh, tell me about a joke, or tell us about a joke that you remember that's kind of stuck to your insides 
that just didn't go the way that you thought it would. It could so be joke a that failed, I've written? Yeah, sure. Uh, either it failed and you don't understand why it failed. It's such a freaking brilliant joke, you think. Or I don't understand why this thing killed. I don't yeah. get it. No, I, I remember having a debate at the Friars Club. I was on some panel and I was on the side of somebody was on the side of I'm the professional comedian. Sometimes the audience doesn't know better than me. Like I, I'm the comedian. So if they don't laugh, maybe it's their fault. And I like and I, I came so hard on the other side, which was my jokes are only funny if the audiences are laughing at them. Um, yeah. You know, it's I bring onto stage what I think is funny, but I only keep what they think is funny. And maybe one individual crowd isn't the best gauge always. But once you aggregate audience members over time, the more people you put into that pool of audience, the more that they're the smartest, they're way smarter than I could ever be. It's the, it's the combined totally. average intelligence of a, thousands of people. Um, so even if I think a joke is funny, if the audience isn't laughing the way that I want and it's, if it's not killing, it's not getting those applause breaks, then I'm wrong. Um, then the, the audience is right. So I, I, I don't hold on to jokes if they're not getting that response. But there are times that I have noticed where I have an idea for a joke and I know it's funny and I and the audience isn't responding correctly and I put it away and then I become a better comedian and two years later I go through the notebook and I go, that's a funny idea. And then I reapproach it from a totally different angle and it kills. And it, so it's not that the idea was bad, it was the approach. I just needed to mature. And the lightning, the bit I did on Conan, the lightning Roy bit, was a bit that wasn't that funny from the in the first approach. And then when I came Which from a clean point lightning? of view. What is, what is that bit? It's the world record for the a guy who was hit by lightning seven times. He's a real guy. Um, and the initial joke really just focused on the fact that he killed himself after after all of that. And Is this it, true? It is 100% true. I'm so yeah. happy you could provide a comedic opportunity for you. Yeah. Well, the joke is that part of the joke, because I did, I was able to save that part as the end to the bit. Um, the, the end of the bit is, you know, he's hit by lightning seven times and he killed himself. And I don't think he was depressed. I just think he wanted to show God that it's not that hard. Right, shoot to the sky, look God right in the face. Yeah, I feel like nailed it first try. Uh, but the thing that unlocked it was I was just, I kept bringing it on stage and I, I trusted my audience. And they finally really laughed when I was like, what is the journey? And so I came up with like basically a line for each strike. So on the first strike, you know, he doesn't even know he's been hit by lightning. He's surprised. And then by the end, he's very angry about it. Um, mm, but okay. figuring out that the actual framing for the thing should be the lightning strikes themselves. One, two, three, four, five, six, mm. seven. That unlocked the joke. And all of a sudden, it was, it was a joke that became like this signature piece that I ended up doing on Late Night. Mm. That is awesome. Yeah. And but, how awesome yeah. for you that you had the opportunity to do Late Night. So oh, it was incredible. And Conan's staff and the booker, J.P. Buck, mm -hmm. is they're incredible. Like, it's just such a fun experience. Great. That's so awesome, Harrison. Well, by the way, Conan, come on the show, really, you know. Yeah, exactly. Hey, hey. Um, and Conan, put me back. Yeah. <laughs> I walked past I have more sets. When he was still in New York, I walked past Conan on the street one time, and he was completely all by himself just walking on the street. He's very tall. He's They <gasps> he's tell you he's tall, but they don't – you're not prepared for how much taller he will be than you. Yeah. Makes sense. All right, my friend. Harrison Greenbaum, how can people connect with you, follow the things that you're doing? At Harrison Comedy is my Twitter and my Instagram. I update that all the time. Um, I just redid my website, HarrisonGreenbaum.com. So it has all my tour dates on it. It has a magic section now, which my comedy website never did before, but now it has a magic tab. Um, and my solo show, Harrison Greenbaum, What Just Happened, is touring all over the country. I have dates in uh, Philly. I have dates in Florida. I have dates in Pennsylvania. Um, although I guess Philly is in Pennsylvania. So that's, Philly, <laughs> that's Pennsylvania twice. Um, 
But yeah, so check it out. Um, HarrisonGreenbaum.com and at Harrison Comedy. Fantastic. Yay. All right. Thank you, Harrison Green Mama, everybody. Uh, we're going to take a very quick pause when we come back. It's end of show food. Delicious. With our producer, Elsie, right after this. It's like Three's Company, except we all look more like Mr. Furley. This is Funny People Talking. All right, everybody, it's time for end of show food as we close things out. And the way this works, Harrison, just so yes. you know, Elsie's going to share with us. She searches the world high and low for opportunities for strange and unusual food or snacks or whatever it may be. And we never know what she's going to have. Sometimes it's a drink, sometimes it's a meat, sometimes it's a candy. You never know. Uh, she'll share what it is. We'll each get a chance to taste it. And then we rate it. On a scale of chickens. Chicken. So, uh, oh, there we go. Uh, it, it, uh, uh, Danielle is pointing to We're burying the, the, uh, pointing to the, uh, the, the rubber chicken in our logo up on the wall there. So, anyway, uh, the scale of chickens is whatever size scale you want it to be out of 5,000 chickens, out of 12, whatever you want. Great. All right. So, Elsie, take it away. What do we got for end of show food today? Well, um, I think this is funny because I didn't plan it, but we had Guppy Tank as our game today. Yeah. And um, our snack is Chompers, which (gasps) has a picture of a shark on the front. (laughs) What is it? That was not planned. So Chompers is a crunchy seaweed chip. Oh. Non-GMO, no MSG, no trans fat, no cholesterol, 40 calories. Chompers. Thank God there's no MSG. I felt like I was thrown back to the 1950s. So, yeah. Although there's some really good stuff, like a documentary on MSG, because it's it was it was it was it's actually fine. Yeah, and it, it is was fine. sort of like this weird, almost like racist thing about Chinese food. They call it Chinese food syndrome, uh, and they blame Chinese food for all these ills. And right. MSG itself is not. It's, yeah. Is Unless not the you culprit. actually sprinkle it like right on your food and like overdose uh, it. Oh, maybe. I think anything in, in excess it, is probably bad. Yes, yes. It is. I'm going to eat some seaweed snacks. Even things that are oh, innocuous. Oh, God. Like, got it. Even things innocuous like licorice. Okay, licorice can make your blood pressure go up. Oh, oh there you go. So, um, oh, God. I, I'm okay, gonna, that's good. That's I'm going to give you full full, full disclosure, uh, Elsie. I am not a fan of seaweed. <gasps> oh, no. So I'm still oh, going to try it, but oh, I'm, already, I'm already on negative chicken. We usually wait for her. Thank you. Oh, I got you. Oh, I'm a big fan of seaweed. Ooh. Sorry, we started. Not, not supposed to start it's, until it's Elsie says fault. so, but that's Oh, okay. I'm going hard. I did not. I, I'm I did just not, very hungry, and I was I like, did this not is delicious. I did not get that instruction. So mm. it's okay. It's my fault and nobody else's. So one, two, three, go. What's oh. on the outside? Like a tempura? Shark. I just ate mouse and iguana in Mexico City, so just seaweed is, this is, this is child's play. This is great. Oh, this is nothing. Yuck. Although, according to the inventor of the California roll, he invented it because he wanted the seaweed on the inside. So that the Canadians and Americans at the time, this was like the 70s, uh-huh. he thought it would be it would be distasteful to them. They would see the seaweed and be like, oh. we don't want that on our food. Wow. So we hid it in the middle. That's why California roll is a reverse roll. That is mega cool. What's his name? So Tojo or Tojo-san, the respectful way. That's amazing. In my opinion, this is what these look like. If you were to take a piece of fish skin, fry it, and then put sand on the bottom of it. That's what this looks like to me. Just like the sea. Um, it kind of looks like tempura to me. 
Mark. Yeah, I think it's like fried seaweed, it feels like. Yeah. Well, if you don't like seaweed, you will definitely not like this. All right, I'm gonna, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say Mark. How yeah. many how many chickens? So out of ten chickens, I give this five, and here's why. Ooh. Well, I cannot like stand it. seaweed. I cannot stand this. <laughs> but I am delighted at the texture of it. Okay. And the part of it that's not seaweed, like the flavoring in it, I like. All right, Danielle. Um, uh, ugh, I'm never gonna eat this snack again. So I'm gonna go like. 800 out of 1,300 chickens. All right. Um, That's good. Why will you not eat it again? You're not a fan of seaweed either? Or I just didn't, yeah. Just didn't do it for you? Yeah, that, I think it's going to linger in an aftertaste. Yeah. I don't know. I'm already eating an apricot to wash it down. <laughs> yeah. sir. That's my main concern. It's delicious going down, but I think any of your friends will disprove of you eating it. Because you're definitely, ha- I feel like my breath smells like seaweed. How many chickens? I'm going to say 14,800 chickens. Out of how many? Sixteen thousand point five. Well, that's still a relatively high. <laughs> All right. point five. Yeah, there's a half chicken in my scale. <laughs> and Aunt Polly, Aunt Polly, what do you want to? How yeah. many? I'm I'm in I'm in Mark's camp with this. These aren't these aren't great. And the for the breath, I mean, it's already stuck in my teeth. Yeah, it's gonna be here while I'm here. Oh, absolutely. One of my one of my aunts said something. Yeah, thanks, Aunt Polly. She did it. Aunt Polly. Well, Aunt I kind of I kind of forced it. So, so I know. Yeah, but By the your beehive looks great. I will <laughs> say that Aunt Polly did not have. She had quite the smoker's voice. She so, does. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, well, I liked them. Yeah. What, what did you think there, Elsie? I, I I would give it like six, sixty out of seventy two. Wow. What was the deduction for for you? I think the breath problem, but that's okay. About it. You gotta go. Okay. Part so. Out. That is it. Thank you very much, Elsie, You're for welcome. that, I guess. Uh, I mean, that's just so it nice for this to have episode. a high-energy co-host like Elsie. That is this episode of Funny People Talking. A big thank you to Harrison Greenbaum. My pleasure. What Thanks for a having gentleman. Me. And by the way, folks, uh, salute to Harrison, who told us he had a very hard out, and we went sword past it. And he's been <laughs> delightfully patient and yes. courteous about it. So we're going to get him out of here. Thank you very much. And uh, for Elsie... And Danielle. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark. We'll see you next time. Have a great day. In case you weren't paying attention, you just listened to the best program on the planet. Funny people talking. Really? We're going with that? Okay. This has been Funny People Talking, a production of Mouth Media Network, copyright 2019. No portion of the content may be reproduced or published without the strict written permission of the producers. Connect with our show at at Mouth Media Network or at our website, funnypeopletalking.com. I'm your announcer, Peter Coleman. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.